We're live. Hey. Mr. Del Valle, hello. Good morning, Your Honor. Ken Del Valle on behalf of the people of the United <laughs> States. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm 30 years old now. And uh, I had I had LASIK done yesterday. That's part of the reason why I'm in El Paso. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, how, so how did that work out for you? Great. Uh, easy peasy. It, there was like really no pain whatsoever. The hardest part about the recovery right now is sleeping. Because for about five days, I can't roll onto my side. I've got to sleep with this these goggles on. And those press against my forehead real hard. And they hurt more than the surgery itself. The surgery was actually, I didn't feel a thing. However, at one point, so at one point, I guess they make the cut and then they do whatever they got to do. And then they need to cauterize everything. Yeah. And when they do that, I smelled what I thought was burning flesh. It probably and was. It probably was. And and that was a little bit... Uh, Disconcerting? Just um, like, huh, okay, is my eye melting right now? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, man, are they burning my eye? What's going on? <laughs> But uh, no, it was it was very quick. Shout out to um, El Paso eye surgeons. Dr. Golbus was my surgeon. Nice. Dr. Golbus and Dr. Gallardo over there. Yeah, he, he did a great job. I went, went in yesterday um, for, for the initial follow up. My vision was 2015. Not only that, but they, I can actually see through women's shirts now. They, nice. Yeah, it's this new technology. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, why don't you go get that done? Uh, well, I just want to see through women's pocketbooks <laughs> and check and checkbooks. <laughs> in my stage of life, I don't want to see through their clothes anymore. I want to see how much they have in the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I, I've always said. Um, I don't care if, if a woman can cook. What's her credit score? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, typically they. I, I love the post. You know, uh, you must be tall, handsome, and have abs. You know. <laughs> I'm looking for a man that will love my three kids and my credit score to 365. That's a rough one. That's a tall order. That's, you, you need a genie for that. I don't, I don't even think a genie can pull that off. Speaking of genies and speaking of attorneys, um, since in case somebody doesn't know you by now, you're a, a criminal defense attorney. I, I, I thought it was hilarious that post you put out one time about there's a guy who really hates attorneys and he found a genie and the genie says, you get three wishes. And the guy says, okay, first wish, get rid of all attorneys. He goes, done. That's it. And the guy's like, wait a minute, I have two more wishes. And the genie says, sue me. <laughs> you know, that's a great show. This is a true story. <laughs> One time I was, in, I was in the Cook County Courthouse in downtown Chicago. And I'm sitting down in the toilet and somebody wrote on there, you know, this is like where they had divorce court. So it was a very contentious place and this guy had put in magic marker on the side of the stall i hate lawyers you know was he i'm guessing his wife was yeah, it was somebody and, something yeah. was somebody was getting a raw deal somewhere yeah so he wrote i hate <laughs> i hate lawyers and then somebody wrote underneath so sue me <laughs> right right that's smart <laughs> you know that's pretty cool <laughs> that's been my standard answer you know my whole life as, yeah. as an attorney. I must have been practicing one or two years back then. Yeah. You know, I was 41 years ago. So I, but I still Gosh. remember that thing on the on that toilet wall. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah I know. That's so funny. Yeah. How are you going to sue me? That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, so I wanted to talk to you. Part, part of the reason why we're doing this today, that's an unfortunate uh, event, but nonetheless, 
the Uvalde school shooting, one of the things that you educated people on on your Facebook that I think was probably shocking for over 90% of people to learn, myself included, I had no idea that this was the case, is that police don't have a legal duty, uh, duty to protect people. That's correct. That's that to me, I was like, when you wrote that, I'm like, what? That, and I'm sure 99% of people that were caught off guard by that. As a matter of fact, like there were, there was already a lot of people talking on online forums and, and whatnot uh, about how those police officers are going to get sued and get in trouble for not running in and trying to stop the shooter. But what you're saying is they're not going to get in trouble at all. Nothing's going to happen to them legally. That's legally. so crazy. Look, what's what's the deal with that? Like, wh why do we even have police if they're not there to protect? Well, serve? they have a duty to the public, but not to the individual. Now, try to make sense of that, okay? It's hard to. Yeah, it is. It's a difficult thing. You know, the, the right to due process... The Supreme Court is found here, and I made some notes. Mm -hmm. And the case was in, uh, the first case was in 1999. The case was called the Shaney versus Winnebago County Department of Social Services. And now uh, that's a Supreme Court case. A four-year-old boy was visited by the Department of Social Services numerous times. And the mother kept telling he was in the custody of a very abusive father. And the Mother kept telling him, get that kid, get the boy out, get my boy out of there, right? Uh, that's an abusive father. And the kid kept going to the hospital and the hospital kept making reports. And the social worker visited the home numerous times and she failed to take action to protect the boy, hmm. right? So eventually the father beat the child to such a degree that the child was left permanently uh, mentally retarded. You know, and he's been in a home. I don't know whatever happened to the poor kid, you know, but he's apparently been in a home for the retarded. He can't take care of himself right. ever since. So the Department of Social Services gets sued. and The Supreme Court says, no, they have no duty to protect individuals. Hmm. Nobody is entitled to individual protection. The other case... Uh, was town so, of cat? So, Go ahead. so meaning, I mean, just like we saw in this in this event, a police officer could be there watching somebody getting kidnapped or killed, and can just sit there and watch and not do a damn thing. I'll tell you a hilarious story about that. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, but I'll tell you a hilarious story about that. And this this wasn't my case, but it was a case I actually saw play out in Chicago when I was a young lawyer. Must have been practicing about 10 years. And two Chicago cops are driving in a police car. They turn into an alley and they see two tall white guys in suits duking it out with about five black guys. And the cops get out. Right? And they're gonna go. And one of the white guys turns to the cops and goes, We need an assist. FBI, we're FBI agents, we're FBI agents. And the two cops just looked at each other, got back in their car, and drove away. <laughs> now, that was at a time when the FBI was indicting numerous Chicago police officers for corruption. <laughs> you know? wow. So it was kind of a payback. Uh -huh. You know, there, there was kind of a, uh, a dislike of, of the FBI by the general police 
Chicago PD, you know, so, and the FBI guys reported it. And, you know, it's just wherever it ended up, I forgot what process took place. This got to be 35 years ago, right? So, <laughs> so whatever, whatever process took place, nothing happened to the cops. They were able to drive away. They didn't have to. And here's two FBI agents yeah. getting their butts kicked. And they were in a physical fight. They were outnumbered. They were getting beat up by a bunch of guys. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and the cops drive away. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they go, FBI's in. And the funny part about it is that they actually testified. They were, I, they were like on TV or something. He said, yeah, we were shocked. The two officers looked at each other, <laughs> looked at us, looked at each other, shook their head, got back in their car, and backed up out of the alley and so drove we, away. We got no business getting in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to help these guys because they're FBI agents. Wow. You know? So that's that's one thing that happened. Um, in Uvalde, that was just an act of cowardice. And I'll, I'll get sure. into that in a little bit later. Sure. But let me touch upon the law. Yeah. It's also uh, town of Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. Uh, that's a 2005 Supreme Court case. In that case, a woman had, I forgot her name, but a woman had a protective order against her husband for domestic violence. The husband showed up at the house and took the three girls. It, it's not clear to me from reading the case whether or not he had visitation rights, but he had been acting erratically and making threats. So the woman went to the police station and said, go find my husband. You know, he's crazy. He's nuts. He violated the protective order by taking the three girls, mm -hmm. right? And you need to go find him. And the police said, well, he'll probably bring him back. Wow. He'll probably bring him back. And then she went to the police station several times and at one point late at night she talked to another police officer about 10 p.m and then the police officer said okay wait till 12 and the police officer went in and had dinner and then when he came back then the husband actually attacked the police station got killed and after they killed him they found the three daughters dead in the uh in, in the back of the guy's uh SUV. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so then she sued. She said the police had a duty to go look for the guy because he had violated that protective order. Right. And the Supreme Court found no. No. There was no duty. There's no duty to protect individual citizens. A cop can stand right there, watch you get killed, shot, beat up, whatever, stabbed, and not do anything. And he's not legally liable because you're an individual. Now, there's an exception to that. The exception to that is when a police officer takes you into custody. And that police officer, now you're on state custody. And you have a right to be protected under the due process clause. Hmm. And here's the basis. The Supreme Court has found that the due process clause protects you from the state, not from other individuals. Jeez. Okay, so it's to protect you from the government, not from individuals, the due process clause. Yeah. So when you are in government custody, and that's why if some jail guards sees a guy getting beat up, he has a duty to intervene.
Right. right. That's why they break up fights in prison. Correct, because the, the guy, the victim is in, in state custody. Right. You know, so now they ha you have to be protected. They, they assume the duty of protecting you. Here's the funny thing about it, and here's the beautiful part about it. Unless, and, and part of the language, I think it was, let me see which case it was. Uh, in, in, in one of those cases, the victim was not in state custody. And now here's the quote. Or otherwise prevented by the state from caring for herself. Otherwise prevented by, by the, the state. state from caring for yourself. Huh. If you are not prevented by the state from caring for yourself. So meaning when you're in custody, you are prevented from yeah. caring for yourself? Yeah. How are you prevented? That's, from that's a great question. That's a great question. Well, you're locked up. You're not, you can't run away. You can't have a firearm. You know, so part of the part of the great argument, and I think it bolsters the Second Amendment, okay, is that you have to be prevented from protecting yourself. The state has to do something to prevent you from protecting yourself in order for you to have the right of police gotcha. protection. Gotcha. So, and I and here's an interesting uh, conversation I had with a business owner. During the development of concealed carry law in the state of Texas, there was a point where they had a 5149 rule. I don't, I'm sure you remember that. And that may still be in existence. I believe it is. Okay. When, when I did, last I checked was when I did my concealed handgun uh, license class. Now it's called license to carry, of course. Um, was in, or was about nine years ago when I turned 21. I just turned 30, so nine years ago. And the, 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 what the instructor said is that with a concealed hanging license in Texas, you can carry anywhere unless the only two signs that will prohibit you from carrying are the 3006 sign and the 51% sign. 51% meaning this establishment makes more than half of its revenue from the sale of alcohol. And if they have a 51% sign, you're not allowed to carry in there. Okay. Those are the only two signs that, that negate your, uh, okay. your your ability to uh, carry a handgun. So when I would go to restaurants that had that sign in there, I would ask to speak to the manager. And I would always point out, hang on a second. I would always point out to the manager, I said, if you are depriving me of my right to protect myself here, then you assume the duty of protecting me. Ooh, and if they don't have armed And security, if you don't, if, you, if somebody comes in here and starts shooting up the place... I'm going to be able to sue you because you have deprived me of my right to bring my self-protection into this establishment. Wow. Now, I don't know if I could pull that off, but I, right. I, every restaurant I went to that had that sign, I often said that. You also see that in doctor's offices. Uh, you see the 3006 sign sometimes. Uh, in doctor's offices. Yeah, not the 51%, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah the th Some banks, and I don't, Keep my money in those banks. I don't care what the sign on the door says. <laughs> I'll tell you another great experience. But, but, but hang, hang on one second. Let, let's let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So you just said that you don't know if that would work. But let's say that you decided that you are going to carry in that establishment because you talked to the manager. They don't have an armed security guard. 
you decided, okay, I'm going to protect myself because they're not providing me with protect. They're preventing me from protecting myself, like you talked about a little bit earlier, but they're not providing me with adequate protection. And you still carried, and somehow it was discovered that you're carrying in that establishment, even though they have a 51% sign, you get arrested, you go to court. Is that, is that, do you think that would be a, a, a good defense? Uh, no. Okay. No, no. Uh, it's, so you, I, so you're, you're I think it, logically it. <laughs> it's a great defense. Legally, it's a very poor defense. So you're doing it just to have fun with the, with the manager of the restaurant? No, I'm doing it to educate him. And I'm not saying that I'm going to carry, I'm not telling the manager right. that I'm carrying in spite of the sign. Right. I'm telling him that I won't be carrying. And if I'm injured because of his sign, you're going to sue. I'm going to sue. Him. And that was enough to have a couple of places that I visited regularly pull down that sign. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. <laughs> and, and not only that, you know, I go into a bank and it said, no firearms here. What are you, crazy? You know, I'm going to go to a bank. Yeah. It, Probably carrying tens uh, wait, of wait, thousands wait, of Or cash. I'm going to come out of a bank. Right, with a bag of uh, cash. With, with, with a white envelope in my hand or stuffed in my pocket. Right. So I walk to my car. I'm not going to be armed. Right. They're nuts. You know, so basically, do I care what those signs say? No. Shouldn't you, though, if you don't want to get in legal trouble? I agree with you. Wouldn't, wouldn't you just select a bank that doesn't have those signs? Because I agree. Have, I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need a bank that doesn't have that sign. But Ken Del Valle does whatever Ken Del Valle wants to do. No, no, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that. It's just, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flash a gun. I'm not going to. You know, well, well they're, I'm, only, I'm they're certainly, only gonna know they're only gonna know that you're carrying in the event that you have to use it. Yeah. And then the then saying you, goes it, if you have be, to use it, you're not gonna be charged. People are gonna go, thank God he had a gun. Ah, maybe, depending on where you're at. I don't know. Some people just even if you save their life with a gun, they'll still want to prosecute you for breaking the law because they just that's how they well, are. Well, here's they're the truth. They're like they're like those people that you know, when the when the pandemic started and the lockdown happened, they're like they're those people that if they saw you jogging on the street by yourself without a mask, would yell at you from across the street, tell you to wear a mask. Like those kinds of people would would want to sue you no matter what, even if you save their life with your gun. They're still gonna. Well, be you're not gonna you. save their life with your gun. Well, yeah, you probably. <laughs> right. You know, listen. Let, let, here's my attitude about that. I'm in a bank and I see a robbery go down. That's not my money. That's not my, and I'm not going to pull on a bank robber. Right. I'm not going to get in a gunfight over the bank's money. Yeah, of course not. You know, now if he comes from my gold Rolex, that's a different thing. Yeah. Right. You know, now I may or may not, I may decide, well, you know, an expensive gold Rolex is, I'm not going to take the guy's life over there. I would. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course, you know, but but here's the thing. I'd shoot him for a cheap watch. I'd shoot him for an Apple watch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, actually, <laughs> no, the, the, let me let me finish this thought. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let me finish this thought. The whole trick about having to shoot somebody in a non-deadly when you're not being confronted with deadly force, when you're either acting in protection of non-deadly force or in protection of property. It's assuming that you're on video. Right. And you never want to be the asshole on that video. True. Every video that we see on YouTube about people not being charged are people who are backing away and saying, I don't want any problems. No, no, leave me alone. 
even with non-deadly force. And you have to get the aggressor to be the asshole. If I'm on video going, come on, motherfucker, come on, you know, and then I shoot you, I'm the asshole. Right, right. I want you to be the asshole. I want to go, no, man, leave it alone. I want you, I want you to chase me around this table, you know, before I finally or, or back me into that corner. I don't care if it's a stand your ground state. You need to show that you try to avoid injury to yourself or the theft of valuable property. Sure. Now, if somebody would try to steal my iPhone and I killed him over it, would I be charged? Texas, you can do that in defense of property. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. And I could say, look, my whole life is on that iPhone. Right. You know, every, every connection I have, every clerk of the court, every lawyer I know, every DE agent I know is on there. You know, I have I have photos of my grandchildren on there. I don't want some bad guy getting all I that. I thought you were going to say photos of your girlfriends. No, no, no. I don't keep those on my <laughs> iPhone. My wife always looks. So, 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 so but, but the point is, when a cop looks at that video, and then when a prosecutor looks at that video, yeah. or when a jury looks at that video, you have got to be the good guy. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You always have to be the good guy. Yeah. You should never be the aggressor. You should never you should be the asshole on the video. Now, all those cases that we see where some guy shot somebody that was coming at him, even though the individual, the attacker, was not armed, and, and somebody finally got cornered and put two bullets into the guy, you know, to stop him, you know, they never get, the cops never even charge them. Right. They take them in, they investigate it, and then the next day or day later, you understand, you know, you get a, a statement from the local district attorney that you're not going to be charged. Right. And that's what you have to do. You know, you, you have to avoid, avoid, avoid. Sure. And, well, and, and here's the other thing. Yeah. Not only video, but witnesses. Assume there will be witnesses. There will always be witnesses. You cannot do anything. Now, this is particularly troublesome for two things. We're in the midst of very violent times. In my humble opinion, we're in the midst of almost a racial guerrilla warfare. Mm. You know, if I'm a member of a black church and my congregation is meeting and some pimply 20-year-old with a bowl, white kid with a bowl cut shows up and wants to start talking, I'm going to get behind him with a gun held down behind me. That's simple. Because that's we know that's what it is. If I'm in a... Wait, 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 real quick. You think, this, you think there's a, this is racial crime? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, white guys shooting up black churches. Um, you know... Uh, White guys attacking synagogue. Um, but these might be. I mean, they're not. There's a lot of shootings where white people are shooting just people I, in general. Like, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But no, let me go to the quick, the converse side of that. All right, I'm walking down the street. I'm a white guy. I see two black kids in the hoodies, with their hands in their pockets, start making a beeline for me. 
that's 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 the other side of the coin. Sure. If I see anybody with a hoodie on and their hands in their pockets walking towards me, my I'm, hand. I'm, I'm already on guard. Yeah, my, no, no, my shit is out. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh-huh. So I well, here's where here's where having confidence in your skills come, comes into play. I know that I can draw from conceal and take a combat effective shot up to about 10 yards, which isn't terribly far within um, within about 0.85 to 0.9 of a second. So in less than a second, I can have my gun out and take a combat effective shot. So I believe in the Texas Festra. I, which you is know, what? You pulled your shit out five minutes before <laughs> anything happens. <laughs> yeah, I guess I always think about, like, I don't want to be seen with a gun unless I have to use it. I don't want to take it out. No, you take it out, hold it down. Besides, look, I remember one time I walked in the streets of Manila with people following me with a... With a high power in my hand, just walking normally. Midday, nobody noticed. Nobody looked at me twice. Yeah. You know, I've gotten out. I remember in uh, in Water Tower in Chicago, they have underground garages where you go inside and it's just, I mean, it, you walk out, it can be noon out, but you walk into that underground garage, it's like midnight. I pull my gun out and hold it in my hand as I'm walking to my car. Sure. You know, I, walking out of my bank not too long ago. You know, I, I walked out wearing a suit. My car's parked right there. You know, there's two guys that make a beeline for me. They're on the corner. Sir, can I ask you what time it is? Get the fuck out of here, man. That's my response. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, no, I touched. Uh, you got to let them know. Yeah. That they're dealing with a hard guy, right? You know, not not can I'm not a I would I, I, I wasn't I, afraid to be perceived. They were two black guys. Yeah, I wasn't. They looked scruffy. I wasn't afraid to be perceived as racist by them. I wasn't embarrassed of being perceived as racist by them. Right. I wasn't trying to be nice to two black guys, to two street guys. I got two guys. I'm walking out of a bank, and two guys are making a beeline for me. Yeah, and, well, they could have been. They could have been any color if they're. If they. No, look, no, no, no. If, if I'm making an issue of color walking, because of this. Okay. Because a lot of people are afraid to be perceived as racist, whether you're that. black or whether you're white. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, if if you're a black member of a congregation, and that twenty-year-old walks in in a backpack do you you is, don't want to be seen as racist you don't want to be you don't want to look at that kid and go oh welcome to the house of god because you know that guy is up to no good sure but you don't want to perceive as a black person being racist toward a white person and and white people suffer from the same thing and all races do that. Especially nowadays. People are terrified of being accused of being racist. That's correct. Or sexist you know, or, right. or, or anti-female or anti-gay or any of that. Correct. Yeah. So you need a certain level of aggressiveness when people roll up on you and say, hey, the fuck you looking at? Well, this is this goes to, the, to, to the, one of my favorite quotes that says, civilized men are far more discourteous than savages because they know that they can be rude without having their skull split. And Jordan Peterson talks about this too. He says that 
having a bunch of weak men leads to problems, but having a bunch of tough guys actually makes societies more civil because if you have a bunch of tough guys hanging out with each other, then everybody watches their step. Yeah. Well, and, and, and tough men know, well, again, tough men or manly men know that when you start a conflict with another male, you have off ramps, mm. you know, before we get to stabbing each other. Yeah. You know, and we take those off ramps all the time. Yeah. So when I got two guys rolling up on me and I go, what the fuck you guys want? Right. Oh, no. Stop the guy cold. I was also in another similar situation with a white guy and a Hispanic guy. You know, backpacks, street guys. Sir, can I talk to you? No. What if they wanted to sell you solar panels? <laughs> then I would have just shot them. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were trying to upgrade, maybe they were trying to upgrade your phone plan. <laughs> then I would have just shot them. <laughs> or sell me or sell me automobile repair insurance. Yeah. I would have just shot them. <laughs> no, the guy rolls up. I mean, can I talk to you? No, no, son, I'm busy. Yeah. He goes, why, you're too good to talk to me? Mm. I looked at him. I go, fuck yeah, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, and, I, and then his friend's coming around this way toward me. Mm. And I said, you asshole, making a hook on me? I said, you two assholes better mosey on down the road before I shoot you. And with that, I threw my jacket back, put my hand on my gun. Oh, you're a big, tough guy with a gun. I go, that's correct. <laughs> and <laughs> the guy walked glad away. You, glad you're smart enough to figure that one out. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's correct. I'm a big, tough guy with a gun. Yeah. You know, it, the funniest part about this, the funniest part about this is that I was in front of a store with a large plate glass window, and there were some ladies looking, you know, and they they saw, they sensed that there was a confrontation going. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm telling these two guys, you two assholes better mosey on down the road before some, you know, somebody has to call an ambulance. And then the guy kept walking toward me. I said, just think of your mother crying at your funeral. Yeah. And he, he kind of stopped. I go, that's where this is going, asshole. You know, and wait, wait, wait. So they start moving away and they're motherfucking me all the way. You know, fuck you, you piece of shit, you motherfucker. You know, we'll find you another time. And then when they leave, the two ladies come out. I turn around to go and they go, oh, my God, are you okay? Those two thugs were really giving you a hard time. And I pretended, you know, oh, thank you. I'm glad somebody was watching and could have called the police. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the way you have to be in life. Well, so so going back to the police thing, we, we, we got away from that. Um, what exactly does it mean that the police have a right to protect the public but not the individual? I have no fucking idea. Wow. Okay. That's bad. I have a duty to the a, a public duty, duty to the but public. not to the individual. Now, that, what that, is that, that language? Make any Listen, sense. Let me tell you something. No... If you read Supreme Court opinions. Well, well, just a quick note real quick. Um, something you once said about the Constitution, and it applies to this as well. You said 
You, you want to know what the Constitution means? It means whatever the Supreme Court says it means. That's correct. And that's the case for pretty much every law that we that governs our lives and that we have to abide by. Yeah. It's whatever the Supreme Court says. If they say the police don't have a duty to protect you, then they don't. That's The Supreme Court is the but final how, arbiter you, of what our rights are. Sure. Do you know how they arrived at that ruling? Like, how did they decide that... The, the reasoning was that the uh, Fifth Amendment Due Process Clause protects you from the government, not from another individual. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't even get why we need police at that point, aside from to give people speeding tickets. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Shit. No, no, and, and you gotta, you got to admit, there's dedicated cops. I mean, we see cops, you know, run toward gunfire every day. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, there's cops who are cops, yes. you know, who are there to take care of business. Right, right. You know, who put themselves in harm's way every day. Sure, of course. Uh, and, and, and those guys are there. But they don't have to. And when they fail to do so, there's no legal recourse. Yeah. You know, I've kicked in doors to rescue kidnapped people. And, and knowing that when I went through that door... You may not come out. No. I had to wipe out everybody I saw immediately. And I may not come out. But, you know, you take a deep breath and you go, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. And I'm in there going through my mantra that I learned in martial arts at the age of 10. As I'm going in, I know I may end up dead. Right. But I'm overcoming that. I'm kicking in that door, and I don't know who's in that room. Or where they're at in that room, or any of Correct. <clears throat> Correct. I may have a general idea. And, and it, it, Well, that's what flashbangs are for, too. That's what? Flashbangs, that's what they're for. Well, I didn't have those. Oh. Uh, you know. yeah, I, I wouldn't no, want to no. clear a room without a flashbang. Well, you go in there, you start shooting. Yeah, well, sure. And sometimes, typically... Depending on the number of people you find in a room when you jump a room, immediately you kill one or two, try to take headshots. You know, you're, you're, and you, you, I never went in with an AR. You know, I always had either a 45 or, or a uh, high power. Some kind of CQB firearm. AR might be too long for, for, uh, no, no, you got one, you got one strapped on your back. Sure. But that's not what you're going in. If I'm kicking in the door to this room, and this is the kitchen to a big house, and I know there's a bunch of guys there eating, and I know they got stacked up, you know, SKSs and AK-47s up against that wall, I need to kill a couple people before they can make a run for that. Of course, of course. Right? Look, so, and then, here's the trick. You make everybody else think the killing's over. Hmm. And then you kill them. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, 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 and you can do that, or if you're getting fire, and I have gotten fire, you just stay in it and, and just stay in it. And trust me, I've done shit like that and go home, you know, make a couple of hundred thousand dollars, and, you know, 24 hours later, I can't stop shaking. I can't eat. I can't, I can't swallow, you know, and just nothing but tears rolling down my eyes. But I did it. And I know I'm going to have to do it again. Right. 
and I made a shitload of money doing that. <laughs> That's always nice, I guess. Yeah. Um, so um, the 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 what we just talked about, where the police don't have a legal duty to protect the individual. That's the argument for the right to bear arms right there. Absolutely. Right? Like there's so much there's so much debate in our society today about what the Second Amendment means. And it's it's for this and it's for that. And it was for the militia. And it's only you should not have AR-15s. You should only have muskets. And people come up with all kinds of stuff about what what the Second Amendment is for. And the Second Amendment to me, really, in this day and age, when governments have drones and, and fighter jets and tanks and all that, no, my pistol is not going to stop a, a, a military with, mili with, with military equipment from rolling into my town and taking over, but it will stop somebody from attacking my house and killing me or robbing me or killing my family right. or that kind of thing. Here's, Personal protection. Here's the thought. If police are allowed to carry AR-15s, shotguns, and other semi-automatic rifles then why not us to protect themselves from thugs why can't we have the same firearms to protect ourselves from those same thugs sure it's that simple i agree why do they get that i agree you know well, not only that but you know, you know anytime you have a gun debate with somebody and they start by saying well you know i just don't think people should have ar-15s as soon as they say that i know that they don't know the first thing about guns and they're just reading the headlines because I, 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 I immediately ask them, right? My retort is always, so, okay, let's get rid of AR-15s. Can we keep AR-10s? And they go, what's that? I'm like, well, it's an AR, but it shoots a much bigger, much more powerful round. Can we keep those? And the, uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, so the issue is not the AR-15, then is it? No, no, it is. It, it really is. Yeah. I remember when self-defense rifle the, the was the M1 carbine. Oh sure. I remember when 30 that caliber. was huh? 30 caliber. The 30 caliber 110 grain bullet. Right. Okay. That's what that, that was like a World War II rifle. Wasn't That's it? a World War II. I fought with it in Vietnam. I fought with it in the Philippines. Oh gosh. I fought with it in the Middle East. You know, they're they're always around this. I've got photographs of of just a rack you know, in our hooch, a rack of M M1s, uh -huh. you know, because that's what the popular forces we work with yeah. used. I bought one. The first self-defense rifle I bought when I came back to the States was an M1 car. I bought it at Sears, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. You know, and, and 20 round, 30 round magazine. I don't know if they had 30 round magazines back then. But, you know, I had, and that was fine. With the advent and the popularity of the AR platform, you know, which is a wonderful rifle because it's basically dummy proof and the military needs that to train. You can train a female soldier better on an AR-15 or M-16 a lot easier than you can on an M-1, you know, or an M-14. Why female? Why female? Yeah. Or also males. Uh, anybody can be easily trained because of the recoil, because of the weight. Sure. Oh, an M14 weighs 11 pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So does so does an M M1. You know, right. Durant. You, you you mean female as in like smaller smaller people? Correct. Yeah. Correct. You know, and you got that buffer tube in the AR, sure. which makes it for less recoil. Yeah. And 
everybody's tried to invent things around that AR platform. But it's so good. But but you know that nobody, nobody can beat it. Nobody so can good. figure out that recoil buffer. Yep. That you just up there and you know. Dum, dum, dum. Especially with the with the gas systems, the piston systems have a little bit more of a of a of a little, you know, like you feel a little, yeah, a yeah, yeah, more, yeah, a little bit no, more. No, no, it's, bounce, it's the, yeah, the gas impingement system super smooth. Is, it's super smooth. Yeah. It's super easy. And you and, can always buy a better buffer spring too for like a few bucks and, and just drop in a better buffer spring and reduce the recoil even more. You know, you know what I did with that buffer spring with a three hundred eight. I double tapped a silhouette at two hundred yards. With an AR-10, that's pretty. That's that's pretty crazy. That's good. Yeah. I couldn't do that with any other rifle. Well, the only other rifle that people say I've never shot one, but they say is incredibly smooth is the FN Scar. They say that this Scar uh, 17, which is the equivalent of the AR-10, is got about as much recoil as an AR-15. And they say that the Scar 16, which shoots a 5.56 round, that you just don't feel anything at all. Yeah, but they look like guitars. They look like shit. Yeah, they look like guitars. They're, like they're, not, they they're not handy. <laughs> yeah. They're not handy. Yeah. And then the, the I mean I can the, walk around with I can walk around with my AR in front of my Magwell, you know, carry it hanging on by side all day long. Sure. You know. Well, you put it on a sling. I mean, I don't think that's a big no, issue. No, no, what I'm saying is they're not then, as handy, even if you're on a sling or whatever. Yeah. I always I always put every long firearm I have. That's a sling, because that sling can also be your tourniquet. And they also can't take the firearm off you and shoot you with it if it's attached to your body. That's true. And if you're in bear country, you're going to be wearing it instead of having it up against a tree. Sure. You know, 30 feet away when the... <laughs> you know, you know I had a, we had a customer one time years ago when I worked at the gun shop who... Uh, I think went duck hunting or some kind of bird hunting, and he had one of those camouflage Benelli shotguns. Yeah. It's like a two thousand dollar shotgun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right, right. And he laid it against the trees because he sat down to eat, or I don't know what he sat down to do. And then he got up to look for a shotgun, and he couldn't find it. Oh, is so that he, hilarious? He came back the following week, wanted to buy a new shotgun. And I said, "Well, you know, I guess you must have really liked the other one. You want another one?" And he goes, "No, I went out hunting. I put it against the tree, and then it's camouflaged, so I couldn't find it." So there's a Benelli Super Black Eagle somewhere out there in the woods that <coughs> somebody might find one day. Probably a bear stole it from him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But uh, note to self, if you go hunting with a camouflage shotgun, put it on a sling. <laughs> don't leave it out in the brush. Oh, is that funny? That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. And, and taking it, let me let me go back to this thing here, okay? Sure. Um there's a Fifth Circuit case. Texas is in the Fifth Circuit. There's circuit courts of appeal. There's U.S. District Court, then circuits courts of appeal, then the Supreme Court. Okay? In Salas v. Carpenter, clerk was taken hostage by her boyfriend in the courthouse. The SWAT team moved in, but somehow somebody made the call, pulled the SWAT team out, and have some untrained people go in and try to talk to the guy. He ends up killing his girlfriend. Why on earth would they pull SWAT out? Who knows? Okay. But the whole point is there's a lawsuit after that. They said, no, you didn't have the right to have the SWAT team come get you. There's no duty. And, and the people that they send in were incompetent, weren't able to talk down the aggressor. And so they said no. 
in that case, let me, I don't know when that case. Real quick, even though it was in a courtroom, courthouse, a courthouse, there was still no duty because you, you're not allowed to carry in a courthouse. Correct. There was no duty of the cops. So, I agree. So That's a great state, argument. Now the state is preventing you from defending yourself, and they're still not defending you. I don't know if that argument was made. Wow. If I'm in a courthouse, does the state have a duty to protect me because I can't take my gun? I would hope so. And, and that's the whole issue about possession, you know, and the ability to carry a firearm for self-protection. Yeah. Who has the right to tell you that you don't have that right to protect yourself? The left. And Boccaccio. The modern left. Have you ever read the Decameron by Boccaccio? No. It's written in the... It's written before this country was just, it was written before Columbus discovered America. Okay, the Decameron is a classical Italian literature book. A bunch of kids run away from a crowded city and they go live in a country during the plague to avoid the plague. And every day they tell stories. And it's a bunch of different stories. And there's a beautiful story in there told by a very delicate young woman. I forgot what her name was. But it's about self-defense. And the story is about a man who was forced to kill somebody in self-defense. This is before the discovery of America. Mm. All right? And she's telling, there's a natural right of self-defense. I don't need a constitution to tell me I have a right to self-defense. I don't need a law to tell me that. My own instinctual right of self-preservation tells me that. Yeah, no, And no. I'm using the best available means to me at this time. Now, maybe 200 years from now, I can wear a set of eyeglasses that'll shoot a ray at a bad guy, you know, and stop him from aggressing against me. But right now, the best thing available is a firearm. Right. And I should be entitled to have the best. Now, within reason, within reason, you know, firearms are a blessing and firearms are a curse. But look at the violence that was perpetrated upon mankind in ages past. Look at the Viking raids, you know, on the villages in England. Look at the deprivations of the Mongols. You know, they would just cock in and, and kill whole whole towns, whole whole cities. Yeah. They would they would kill fifty thousand people, put them to the sword, just for shits and giggles. You know, and people didn't have the right to do that. You know what? You know what gunpowder also did? It stopped feudalism, because when canyons were invented, all of a sudden we actually had something that could destroy castle walls. So nobles couldn't hide behind castle walls and control the area around them. Mm. And eventually, the only people who could avoid, who could afford, I should say, the only people who could afford canon on a regular basis were the kings again to centralize power and then you get the concept of central government rather than a bunch of kingdoms or a bunch of duchies you know which you know yeah. i think i could be the duke of el paso county or the count <laughs> of el paso why don't you <laughs> well what i'm trying to say is that that's the way we have the word county because El Paso is about the size of a of a property that would be ruled by a count. Hmm. You know, and the governor would be the king. 
Oh wow! Do, do you understand yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when and and when you begin diminishing the power of local nobles to hide behind castle walls and charge people to go through their territory and extort the peasants or you know enslave or it, it brought about the end of feudalism and it brought about the age of enlightenment you know starting in about 1450 that coincided with the advent of gunpowder and its use in canyons to tear down castle walls that's why you see all those abandoned castles throughout europe you know that was before we even existed as a country you know, so firepower is a blessing because it radically changed society. Sure. And like I said, it's a curse well, because some 20-year-old knucklehead yeah. can get a, an AR-15 and go kill a bunch of kids. Right. Now, if you reach the age of 21, is that going to help? I doubt it. Mm -hmm. You know, that seems to be the point where everybody everybody the politicians are starting to focus on. But at least we can do is prohibit a certain group of people who are more likely to commit this heinous offense of mass shootings from legally obtaining firearms. The inability of somebody to legally obtain a firearm has never stopped anyone right. from obtaining a firearm. I typically get I typically get a felon in possession at least once a month. Wow. I, I do anywhere from 10 to 18 of those cases every year. So I know felons can get guns. Sure. There's no there's no city in the United States where you I can land today, get off the airport, and within 24 hours, I can't have a firearm in my hand. I just go find a shithead in the corner. Not only that, firearms are now so prevalent, they've become a medium of trade in the dope business. Just had a guy who got caught. They raided his house for meth. They found about 15 firearms. And I asked him, how'd you get those firearms? Well, I inherited a couple from my dad. The rest were all given to me in trade. So if I owe you bucks for meth, I can give you an AK-47. You can sell it for 800 mm -hmm. Yeah, I had an uncle years ago in El Paso, uh, 50 years ago, maybe more. He's, he's, not, he's not around anymore, anymore, but uh, he owned a bar in downtown El Paso. And people would come in, get drunk, and couldn't pay the tab, so they'd give them gold, they'd give them guns. Back then, you could drive across the border back and forth with yeah, firearms, yeah. and nobody would search you. And so... Uh, he ended up with a whole bunch of firearms and jewelry because people would just run up the tab at his bar and couldn't pay him. And so they just, well, will you take this rifle? Sure, I'll take the rifle. You know, will you take this gold ring? Yeah, sure, I'll take that. Yeah, my grandfather had a bar in Mexico City. Same thing? Yeah, he had a box full of watches and rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a couple of firearms. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the bar gun was an old Obregón 45 uh -huh. that had belonged to a Mexican general who fought in the Mexican Revolution and one night was in that bar and then left his firearm in payment and went home and passed away two days later. Yeah. So, you know, that, that gun had history. I mean, I, I just, I, it's hard to argue against, against the um, 
against giving people the ability to protect themselves with firearms for all the points that you just made. And these people that want to talk about <coughs> that firearms are only for the militia. Uh, there's a great quote that I know you're all too familiar with that says, to place any dependence upon militia is assuredly resting upon a broom staff. And I don't remember who said that. But it was was that sounds like George Washington. Probably George Washington. I think I, I think he said that because he believed in regular army. Yeah. He he knew that the militia It was one of the it was one of the uh, founding fathers or, so. or revolutionary generals. Yeah. It could have been General Green or somebody else. Yeah, the, the point is again, we, we I mean we've said this a bunch of times already just on, on this podcast, but you have to be ready to protect yourself. Nobody's going to do that for you. And I think people run into problems when they want the government to be mommy and daddy. And those are the people that say, oh, I want the police to protect me. People don't need to have guns. I'm just going to dial 911. And those are the same people that, that grew up with mommy and daddy always taking care of all their problems. And then eventually mommy and daddy got sick of them and said, Get the hell out of my house. It's not necessarily. You gotta you go know, grow up. You know. so, but now they're yeah. looking for the government to be mommy and daddy and take care of all their problens. That's not going to happen. Uh, it happens to some degree. That's uh, well, financial problems, personal problems. I mean, well, let me tell you about financial, uh, that kind of thing. If we distributed all the wealth in the world today evenly among every person in the world, 20 years from now, we would be right back in the sure. same spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Because it, some people squander money and some people accumulate uh, no, money. We would all be right back in the same spot 20 years from yeah. now. Those that have what they have would have what they have. Those sure. that don't have would not have what they, you know. It doesn't matter. And, and that's why every X amount of years, there's 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 um, a buildup of the imbalance of wealth in society. Sometimes it ramps up. It becomes so great. But the people at the bottom decide, fuck it, let's flip this whole system upside down. And then you get a revolution, and then the system settles in a new configurement, and then it's everything's calm for a while. And then fast forward X amount of years, it goes back to where it was before. And then you have. Well, uh, you know, the ethic, the local ethic also changes too. You know, it, it seems to be acceptable to commit crime among certain groups. And, and when people start taking. Pride in criminal activity, oh, like yeah. you know, like those surprise. We've all seen videos of some poor guy walking down the street, some youth running up to him and punching him unconscious. You know, it seems to be like, oh my God, where did this come from? From, you know, where does this, where does this rage, you know, at at other people come from? Yeah, and that's got to be. I don't, I think it's tribal, you know, I think it's tribal. You know, the thing with the United States and the reason why we need to be a armed society, I'm, you know, we're not going to have to fight the American army trying to come up or, you know, the Canadian army trying to come in. Um, and it, we have coasts, you know, that any foreign enemy would have to traverse through the world's most powerful Navy to get to us, to actually land on our land. What we have is we have a tribal system and tribes have to learn to live in peace. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a white tribe, we have a black tribe, we have a Hispanic tribe, we have an Oriental tribe, we have a Christian tribe, we have a Muslim tribe, 
all these tribes have to learn to live in peace. When tribal animus becomes the norm, in any way, you know, and that's why together we are one, you know, but if you split, then and we are many, yeah. then, then we're at each other's throats. Now, how do you control that? How do you have a consumer-based society that makes people feel they are only worth that which they own, but by the same type, they don't get to own whatever it is that makes a person worthwhile. So they go grab it. They go steal it. They, they feel a right to plunder. You know, that's why you see in the riots. You know, anytime there's a riot, it becomes an excuse to plunder. Right. It's all it is. You know, pillage and plunder. And, and, and poor businessmen or local, you know, those that can't protect their property suffer from it. And even those that can't protect their property. You know, while I was in Chicago not too long ago, you know, people were kicking in the doors to Neiman Marcus and running in there. You know, places, elegant places. And, and you know, and they just run in and 20 kids will run in and grab whatever they can and run out. Yeah. And what, it, I mean, really, why are they doing that? It's it's a sense of vengeance. It's a sense of a tri almost tribal retribution, you know? It's a raiding party. You know, just like a bunch of of Comanche boys, five Comanche boys would hop on a pony and go, you know, on their horses and go raid a town and see what they could steal. It's the same thing. The same thing, a bunch of kids, you know, in, in the African plain. You know, we're going to go steal from the neighbors. The same things as Viking raids. You know, let's go kill those people and take their stuff. Sure, sure. That's part of you. I've always said, you get on a bus and you see one gang member, he'll probably go, oh, excuse me, sir. You see two gang members, they go, eh. You know, you see three gang members, they'll start talking. You see four gang members, you've got to fight. Yeah. And why? Because four is the optimal raiding party. The military has fire teams composed of four people. You know, special forces. Why is that? Well, it's called the famous diamond. You got one guy here, two guys here, one guy back here. Mm. Because it's an optimal raiding party. Because it's enough firepower, right, to do damage and enough firepower to pretend to protect from overwhelming odds. Four guys can protect against 20 guys as long as they keep, you know, leapfrogging back, right. you know, or four guys can do a surprise attack, especially if you got one fire team of four guys here, one here and one coming from there. But you're working four man teams. And I remember being actually being on buses in Chicago when I used to ride the bus from 26th street back to downtown, you know, go through some pretty bad neighborhoods. And, and see things like that. And, and, and when you get a bunch of, there's a natural urge for young men to raid. Monkeys do that. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's definitely a thing with humans where a group of people wants to take control of another group of people. Well, yes and no, you know. How like do you, but how do you control somebody? How do we get along with China? Through trade, you know? 
How do we get along, used to get along with Russia through trade? How do we get along with other people? You know, and now when you're talking about somebody wanting to take over another people, we're seeing the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, yeah. which is just out, you know, what we thought <coughs> would be intolerable aggression at this point. But that that's 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 the maxi. Yeah. We live in the mini. Yeah. We live in the mini. So if you're a viable victim, you're gonna get victimized on. Why do you think we haven't managed to secure schools yet? There's been so many school shootings <coughs> over so many years. I'll problem, tell you exactly. The problem why. continues. Is there, you, is there not a, 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 a reasonable, viable solution that we absolutely. can put into place? I have a solution, but I want to hear yours first. Okay, my solution? Yeah. You spend federal money, every school gets, every school district gets a grant. First of all, if you have first floor school, you put windows in every classroom that can be opened only from the inside to escape. Uh-huh. Number one. Number two. But, then, but let me get into that one real quick, though, because the whole thing about school shootings now is if there's a shooter, you lock the door to the classroom because you don't want a bunch of kids or, or people in general running around the campus. While no, no, you get school. out. You get out of the school. You open up a window and you get out and you have a rally point. Okay. And you, you have a rally point. You're not just letting know. You have drills. Everybody out the window, boom. Okay. All right? And we're going to meet over there. That's a secure place. That's number one. Yeah. I mean, you really have to do that. Lock the school doors. Let me tell you something. I, that one's so easy. I don't know why they don't do that. It took the Greeks 10 years to break into Troy. Right? I have a nice security system here. Two guys can, I'm not going to stop anybody from getting in here. <coughs> the security right? system just lets you know they're there. Correct. Yeah. You know, do I have a steel door that some guy can't shoot the hinges off? Some guy can't, you know, when you see cops pounding on a door that won't open, that's because cops aren't opening up on the door. Mm. A bad guy will open up on the door. You know, I'm going to shoot your lock off. Right. I don't care how secure you are. Right. I can shoot that lock off. I can, I can put enough firepower into any man-made lock to break, to kick open a door. Sure. <coughs> Here's, so, but you do secure doors. You make it harder for bad guys to get into, into those rooms. And once, they, once somebody's kicking that classroom door, those windows are up and those kids are up. By the time the guy kicks those doors in or shoots those doors in, you and the kids are out. Item number two, train teachers. Any teacher that wants to pack gets to pack, right? And you give them an extra bonus. Again, federal grant, right? Most importantly, you put two shooters in every school. I like that one. You put two shooters, and when I say shooters, I don't mean overweight, retired cops who are also going to be hallway monitors. I'm talking about hard-ass veterans. You're going you're gonna to put two guys who know how to clear a room and who will clear a room. Just like the guy who, who went in and shot the Uvalde shooter. 
whoever he was, God bless him. Well, what I, what I heard is that he's uh, his wife was a teacher or is a teacher at that school, and he was some getting a haircut. He's a border patrol agent, and uh, he get a he got a text from his wife and his kids at that school too, and she says, "Active shooter, please help." And so he grabs the barber's shotgun, runs over to the school, gets his wife and his kid out, goes back in, shoots the guy. That's what I heard. I don't know if, if that's the actual story. <clears throat> well, that's what you need. Yeah. Meanwhile, you don't need some poor asshole, right. you know, some some cop that can't, you know, that can't see his own feet because of his belly's in the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, I, no, always no. Say, I always say, when I draw, I got to lift up my shirt and take my gun out. When some of these cops draw, they got to lift up their shirt, then lift up their love handle, then think. Of <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and these two shooters, two shooters, you need two shooters. Well, so here's here's my and, wait, 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 Let me tell you something else. These shooters aren't there to monitor kids. They're not there as truant officers. They're there looking for bad guys. They're there looking for the and, and those shooters run drills in that school at least twice a week after school. Yeah. You got to know where every nook and cranny is when you clear a joint. Sure. You got to know where there's a cabinet where a guy can be hiding. Sure. You got to know where you can open up. You got to know what your fields of fire are. Sure. You have to, that has got to be like a shoot house for you. Yeah. You know, that whole school. Yeah. And you get two guys to do that. You pay them a good salary you know, commensurate with their duties, you know, and, and and they are there. They don't have to go be through HR. They don't have to be politically correct. They don't have to go to PTA meetings right, unless right, it's right. to protect they, the members. They got one job or one job. They got one job to kill anybody that starts hurting those kids. That's it. Well, so, so here's my take on how to secure schools. And... Going back to when I was a kid and I was going to, to you know elementary middle middle school in Dubai, we had uh, these large metal gates. I remember I went to the Rosary School in Sharjah and in Dubai, and after school was in session, those gates were locked, and the only way that anybody was getting into the school during school hours is if they have an appointment with a teacher or with the principal or, or something something like that, and then a security guard would go to the gate, verify who that parent is, let them in, lock the gate, and then walk them back out when the meeting is over. So you control points of ingress, and then the only people that are coming, that are going to come on campus are verified you know who the hell they are. So that's one. I don't know why we can't do that at all our schools. I don't know why we can't just lock the damn gates. Because we have open campuses, and we don't have, we don't have the structure to do that. But if we wanted to, we could set up the structure. The second thing is, uh, you're right. There, there'll probably be a revolution with these high school kids that want to want to leave the campus to go to lunch. Right? Yeah. They, you know, they don't want to have the school lunch. They want to they want to go somewhere else with their friends. But that's that's a separate issue. The other thing is what you're suggesting, which is have armed, hard ass guys who knows how who know how to shoot or gals at the schools who know how to shoot, looking for bad guys. And I did the math on this just last night. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. And I forget, I forget the exact figures, but if you um, look, you know, there, there's something like 110,000 public schools in America, somewhere around there. And if you had an armed veteran at every one of those schools and you paid them somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to $70,000 a year, your total cost 
would be about $10 billion a year. Now, are you going to tell me that we can't afford that? We just gave away $40 billion to another country. You need two guys. If you have two guys, double that billion. cost, $20 billion a year. I agree. We can't afford that? Of course we can. We just don't. We don't do it. I don't know why. Because I'll tell you something. I think because the anti-gun lobby does never will admit that guns are an answer. That's a big part of it, I think, yep. I think, you know, when you get... Well, they, they don't want an armed guy at the school protecting their kids. They want a big sign that says no guns allowed, and they think that that's going to protect their kids. No, they don't think that. I don't think that. I don't think anybody's that fucking stupid anymore. Some are. And, and I'll tell you, no guns allowed means come in here and shoot up the place. Exactly. You know, I'll tell but, you. But you and I see it that way. Yeah. The anti-gun lobby, I don't... I think some people truly don't see it that way. I was, I was you know, I, I've had this conversation with a criminal defense attorney on my podcast um, a while ago, and she says her, her name is Alexandria for people who want to go watch that episode. And her take on it is, do the police have guns? And I say, I said, I said, yeah, our police have guns. She goes, then why do I need a gun? Well, I mean, she really thinks that, you know, a gun free zone is a safe place. And a lot of people think that. Well, God bless them. Maybe they've never been in a fight. Maybe they've never been in, maybe they've never felt their life threatened. They've never felt like they're in danger. They've never been attacked. Well, they've never even been bullied. I don't know. I don't know what, where they get this delusion of like the world is such a safe place that as long as there's police officers with a badge. Well, and a well you know, we live on that delusion that, that it's supposed to be a safe place. We, we feel entitled to safety. Yeah. I, you know, even I feel entitled to safety. You feel entitled to safety. I mean, that's why it's such a big shock. The one, you know, I tell people the cops don't I have don't to. I don't feel entitled to safety. I'm thankful. <coughs> I'm thankful that I live in a country where we have such a badass military that keeps keeps the enemy offshore. But I also do what I got to do to protect myself in my day to day life. Correct. But you know, ninety eight percent of the people in the United States think they are entitled to safety. Mm. Even those who carry. They're also entitled to a paycheck. They're also entitled to... Whatever it is that you're entitled to think, that's one of the things yeah. that people feel that they are entitled to. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and we see people who feel entitled you know, to get in the cop's face and, and all sorts of stupid shit. But one of those things is I am entitled to safety and I can rely on the state to protect me. Now... We all rely on the state to protect us from foreign enemies. Yep. But we cannot rely to protect us from local thugs That's right. or bullies or people who want to take our stuff. That's right. Or, you know, it's such... In, in the anti-gun rhetoric cannot admit... That a gun, <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, what, what, there was a shooting in New York after the Buffalo shooting, I think it was. I saw the, fe the uh, female New York governor. I forgot what's her name. I have no idea. <laughs> she's on the news saying, that's enough. We've had enough of this. This is it. We've had enough of this. And she's like scolding a TV audience and, and, and almost claiming, you know, wagging her, literally wagging her finger in the public's face saying, this is it. We've had enough. We're done. We're done. This is it. 
<coughs> but guess what? A couple of weeks later, you know, that grocery store in Buffalo got shot up. Uh-huh. Apparently it wasn't it. Apparently not. <coughs> and saying it's going to go away isn't going to make it go away. Yep. Now, now let me tell you my real take on all this. I love people who are anti-gun. Because it's easier to take their shit from them. If the shit ever hits the fan, I know where to go. (laughs) I know where to get food. I know where to get money. (laughs) I know where I need. You you don't like guns? Cool. Let let me write that down. Write down that address. Let me write down that address. (laughs) And guess what? Because you can walk in with a shotgun. They'll do anything you tell them to do. And if they don't, you get to kill them yeah. if the shit ever hits the fan. That's right. You know, you get and to this take is, And shit. this is from, this is, by the way, a Democrat saying that. You, you, you identify Oh, I'm a Democrat. Democrat. Or, I'm a stone or Democrat. from one of our conversations on, on Facebook, I asked you, I don't understand. You posted something. I don't remember what it was, but I said, I don't understand how you identify as a left winger. And you said, I believe in abortion on demand, the right to vote only for those that have that have passed a civics class, a two-year military draft, that no religious organization be tax-exempt, a salary scale that allows mothers to stay at home, tuition-free community college for those who qualify, a public health system, and a 10% tax on all salaries and corporations. What does that make me? And I said, that makes you reasonable. Yeah. I like all of those. Well, let me hold on. Let me see before I say I like all of those. Um... Definitely tax all houses of worship. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. Um, salary scale that allows mothers to stay at home. That one's a tricky one. Tuition-free community college for those who qualify. We probably disagree on that one, too. It depends on what you mean by qualify. By qualify, I mean you graduated in the top uh, 40% of your class. Why does that school. make you special? Why? Because you're smart enough. You're smart enough to benefit from what the government will give you. Can we add to that list, by the way, raising the voting age to 25? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want, uh, well, you know, how often do kids vote? I don't know, but um, the Democrat Party wanted to lower the voting age to 16, which I think is. I never, I, I think that's a rumor. It's a disaster. Yes. Yeah, I mean, those. You know, 16-year-old can't even wipe his own ass, yeah, I mean, you know, and he's going to vote. Yeah. You know, what's he going to vote for? Right, you know? right, right, right. Somebody that likes my... <laughs> I, I yeah. could just see I could just see politicians of both pandering to the 16-year-old vote. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know. Well, um, Ken, I know, I know, you know, we, we have to keep this one short. It's 11.37. I know you have a meeting at 12. Hang on a sec. Let so me see if I have a meeting. We've, we've got to wrap it up. Um, so, okay. No, I'm checking his calendar. No, no. Yeah. I haven't gotten a call from the guy I was supposed to meet. So we can finish up this point. Yeah. Um, here we, you know, we have to have, we have people who no matter what we say are true believers on both sides of the political spectrum. You know, we have people that just are, there's no way you can get them off the gun issue uh, to a reasonable solution. Mm. We have to admit, 
for heaven's sakes, we got 400 million firearms in this country. At least. We are more firearms than people. They're small. They're easily transportable. You can't stop them from even getting into the most secure places that we have, which are prisons and jails. Yeah. I've defended people who are found with guns in prisons or jails. Wow. All right? Like I defended guards who bring in dope or T-shirts or cell phones. All right? Now, you can't stop that. You cannot stop the black market in firearms. They have become a source. They're fungible. They're fungible product. You know, I can get two ounces of meth for a good 1911. And you have a 1911 that you can sell for about another hundred bucks than what those two ounces of meth cost you. So they've become a fungible product. Yeah. We're not going to get rid of them. Bad guys will continue to get a hold of firearms. So what we have to do is know that bad guys will have firearms, regardless of what we say, regardless of what we do. If we could make all firearms disappear, I'd be the most dangerous swordsman in all of El Paso. (laughs) I've been doing kendo since I was 13. You know, much, you know, I'd love for firearms to go away and I could walk around with my with my samurai, you know, with my katana. <laughs> but, but the point is, but firearms also empower us to protect ourselves from depredation and physical harm and to protect our own well-being. So it's something we have to learn to live with and manage. And yes, there are consequences. There are tragedies. There are abuses, you know, And we need to move reasonable ways to prevent those abuses and mass shootings. And and, and, and how do you do this? You have to get people who are otherwise innocent to say, look for the signs. You know, look for the pimply-faced kid that shows up at your congregation. You know, 19-year-old white kid with a bowl cut and a strange look in his eye (coughs) wearing a backpack. That guy's up to no good. Or be suspicious. Don't be open-minded. Don't be open-minded. You go to other countries, and that doesn't happen. People are always on the lookout. Yeah. You know? Hang on a sec. <laughs> she who must be obeyed. And, and the point that I'm trying to make, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. We have to maximize the blessing part sure. and take reasonable steps to minimize the curse parts. It's that simple. That simple. And, and making guns go away is not going to do it. Nope. Nope. So, Ken, always a pleasure. Always fun, brother. Nice talking to you. Good to see you and all that. And uh, hopefully we get to do another one sometime. Yeah, me too. Soon. All right. I turned you. 75 in February. Oh, Wow. Um, so we'll do one for your 76th birthday. Your wife is calling. We got to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Later, everybody. Hi, babe.